Hello everyone, welcome back to another podcast. This time it's the Monaco GP brought to you by our partners Yas Marina Circuit. I'm Matt. I'm Jess. I'm Jack. I'm Tommy. As you as you can see, that's not Alistair, that's Jack Aitken, ART F2 driver. How are you, Jack? You good? I'm well. I'm dying of hay fever, but I'm well. You are yeah, you're not a cold hay fever, you told me. Yes. I hear that you had a an interesting journey on your way back from Monaco. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about I, that. Yeah, I'm still recovering. I only got back at 6am yesterday, because having left Monaco at about 9 o'clock, well, we were sat on the runway for three hours, then we left, and then I got back, got on the train, which was the only train to London because it was so late, to St Pancras, and then I forgot my bag on the train, which was going to Bedford. Oh, uh, no. so, you so just left it away. on the train? Just left it on the train. It wasn't even a sleeper or anything. I just, just walked off. Just, you didn't fancy um, it? So didn't fancy it. It's around. a big bag. Yeah. So now someone walking around with your overalls and helmet. <laughs> in, fully kitted out in Renault March. <laughs> yeah. for you next time, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I had to... No, the, what was so bad was actually... I hung around the station and was like, I've left my bag on the train. Da, 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 da. Some helpful man located the bag. And then I had to go and get it um, from St. Albans. Shout out <laughs> to uh, my peeps in St. Albans. <laughs> uh, I was there for all of about two minutes on the platform, crying. <laughs> I saw yeah, your Instagram was story was very, uh, very tired. That was my low. That was like, I realized that I was not going to get home for another three hours or so. Yeah, you wanted to share it with everyone. <laughs> I felt like that was the only way I could manage. Sharing hay, though. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You're the relatable driver. You're not showing all yeah. the glamorous side. You're showing, yeah. uh, I've lost my bags. and At 3am in St. Pancras, yeah. <laughs> but you got your bag back, so that's fine. I did, yeah. I haven't got any sleep back yet, but working on that. So we got you in really <laughs> early today. You're really happy about that. Yeah. Awesome. We're here to talk about Monaco, obviously. Let's start with our three-word race reviews. Jack? Can you give oh, us a three-word race oh. review? Yeah, I know. I love it. I love how you always go to the people that are the yeah, least yeah. prepared. Uh, I think it's the best way. You know, you might come up with some random stuff. Uh, <laughs> Monaco Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it. <laughs> you were there. That, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally Ali's one. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Jack. <laughs> Uh, any, anyone going to come in with a three-word race review without saying the word boring? I think that's 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 the challenge. Why do I feel like that was aimed Je- at me? Yeah, because Jess, yeah, mon- Jess said mundane it. last time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel um, like I'm going to have to mind to be a counter-argument to Jess's, so maybe ooh, you should go first. Be prepared Because I know it's going to be, it was dull. Or something. No, actually, <laughs> okay. I think it, it was, mine was going to be centred around Daniel. Okay. Mine and I don't want to say, well done, Daniel, because that's what we always, well, always well done. say. But to be honest, I didn't prepare either. I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare. I didn't actually use two words. Are we going to get into technicalities now? Guys, we've done this every single time. I know. (laughs) What about you, Tommy? I'm just giving myself loads of thinking time, but carry on, Tommy. Uh, It was intriguing. God, it was. That it was. was. It's every time, isn't it? We just we just fill those two words with it was, and then a word. Oh God. I feel like that three-word race review was um, as boring as the race. Savage. <laughs> I'm going to go as not, with not as bad. No, I'd probably agree with that. As people have been saying. Um, yeah. I will happily say that it yeah. wasn't particularly exciting. It wasn't a classic. But at the same time, I felt like I was watching it thinking, oh, this isn't great in terms of actual action, but in the t- it was the strategy. It was the fact that they were so close. You had the midfield teams, I mean, stroll pitting and going four seconds a lap quicker, which in some 
ways kind of makes me think, oh, that's great, great. You know, oh, this is so cool. We don't know who's going to finish where. But at the same time, it felt quite artificial at the same time mm. with Ricardo being, you know, being what the commentator saying that he was babying his tyres, nursing mm. it round. If he goes slower, yeah. it's better. Like he, yeah. was, he was nine seconds a lap slower than the quality time. Yeah, just depressing. Yeah, unfortunately, the 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 tyres didn't work out how they expected it to. They, they bought the Hypersofts hoping that everyone would have to pit a hundred times. And we, we said in the last race, like, oh, bring the soft tyres to Spain because it would make it exciting and stuff. Actually, this was the opposite way where the tyres actually made it worse because everyone was just going, well, I need to stop again. It's not worth it. Mm. And everyone was just going really slow and just in cruise mode, so it didn't really work. Yeah, it's the benefit of hindsight, isn't it, really? Like, you've got the fact that, you know, you think they're going to have to pit loads of times, but it's Monaco. You you can go, just say, nine seconds a lap slower, and no one's going to get past you. You can have a 160-horsepower deficit, (laughs) and you can't get past. Yeah, running your car at 75% power and... Literally, I mean, he, he did come under pressure. Daniel did come under pressure. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't want to take the victory away from him because the fact that he got the car to the end, as like the engineers and people were saying, I like, don't know how you did it. Um, but I think, again, like that's, that's typical of Monaco mm-hmm. in the fact that you can do that and still win the race is a bit, for me, it just like, it just takes away from some of the racing, which is why I think I have a problem with Monaco, if we're going to put it that way. Let's not get into Jess's problems. No, no, yeah, yeah. Jack, did you have... Yeah, I was just going to say, Monaco's a special case in that sense because um, you can, like you say, you can run nine seconds a lap slower and just just drive in the middle and it's very difficult to overtake. So I think, actually, we're going to see a more interesting race next time out in uh, Montreal. Mm. Not Monaco. (laughs) We're not (laughs) going there again. again. (laughs) (laughs) It's because they're going to bring the Hypersoft there and that's a proper track and it's actually quite hard on tyres. Um, but yeah, Monaco is it's Monaco. I mean, it's all about track position. So teams are always going to try and limit pit stops as, as much as they can. Now, it's unique of... though, isn't it? Like, because because of that, like that's what makes it such a special track. Mm. We won't go too much into arguing why it's good, but it is that special race where you know that it's got its unique characteristics that you can't yeah. overtake, and I think that's good for a, a world championship to but have different tracks. You need some variety. Yeah, it it definitely brought variety, and and I, I didn't even think about this, even though it's bloody obvious. But um, we've had six races, three different winners, each winning twice, <laughs> which is I don't think we've walked into this season thinking maybe that would happen. I think we Especially thought it was going to be... Australia qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that. And <laughs> and the fact that even though after Australia, we've said it numerous times now, we thought Ferrari were going to run away with it, even though they didn't come first or whatever. But um, it's good and it's added. It's, it, it was a race that Ferrari and Mercedes were very aware of the fact that they were not the leaders for or like the the best bet for for winning the race and Red Bull were um and they came out <clears throat> and showed why um but it's just i don't know i just, it, monaco really plays on my mind <laughs> like, i think about monaco all the time i think about it all the time <laughs> no cuz i understand that it's the it's the jewel in the crown of f1 it's it's everything that F1 is. Yes. Um, glitz, glamour, money, business. Amber Lounge. Amber Lounge. <laughs> the Amber Lounge isn't just at Monaco. It's only a few circuits, isn't it? I think it's Singapore and Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Karen, sorry. But, um, 
I don't know, like, as a fan, when you're at home watching and you don't get to be a part of that, I think it, it is very much kind of <clears throat> F1's business party. Um, and it's difficult for fans to relate to that or to, to get on board. And when the racing is like it was on Sunday, like, I always judge a race by how many times did I jump on social media? How many times did I feel like I could I could not watch the screen right now and still know what was going on and kind of just listen for any yells from the commentators, which is kind of what we spoke about last time um, in Spain. But um, it's I did I I kept looking at the lap counter, going, how are we only on lap 35? How how are we only halfway through? It was it was a really drawn out race and it really it kind of upsets me when um we did have all of these cool things going on like daniel was out of power um bottas was on the right tire strategy um yeah. you know you had max flying through the pack and but none of that mattered yeah none of it came none to of it mattered it, you had yeah. lewis losing tires and complaining the entire race like Ooh. not looking happy god he was terrible not wasn't looking he? happy was worse lance stroll or lewis hamilton like I jesus i don't know i think i, I think i mean yes Hamilton definitely cry-babying his whole way around, but Lance Stroll coming out and saying, what's even the point? The I'd have loved on. Mercedes to have, because Hamilton lost that race, didn't he, when he pitted that, sec that second time. I'd have loved Mercedes going, all right, come on then. Come on, Lewis, get, get in the pits if you yeah. really want new tyres. Oh, yeah. oh you, sorry, you lost the race. Oh. My bad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You're exactly. <nice> now. <laughs> there was a lot of fans. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, Jess, you know, a lot of fans not liking it, and we had a lot of three-word race reviews from fans not particularly happy dxn 11 babas meh classic monaco mk lowry km monaco doesn't work max nelson literally nothing happened g, g yeah. palmer racing worse than it's korea worse than korea. worse than korea i thought that was quite funny but hey a, i was gonna say from a... <laughs> yeah <laughs> steady <laughs> <laughs> but can i on a serious note yes. just to jump in about monaco mm. i i i agree it it wasn't a great race and I was watching from the uh, the Renault garage actually so I didn't have the joy of Lance and Lewis's um, team radio because mm. we, we don't listen to the TV commentary <clears throat> but um, it, it was I, I don't know it for me Monaco is just such a special place not because of the glitz and glamour a little bit but more because it's been there since the beginning of Formula One and there are fewer and fewer tracks now which are like that so it's mm. important to keep the ones that are um, and as well, it's just such a massive challenge as a driver. You know, there is no other track like, like Monaco. You have street circuits, of course, like Singapore and um, partially Yas Marina, Baku, but it's, it's just not the same. It's nowhere near the same. Yeah. You know, it's so narrow. It's so tight. Yeah. You've got bumps all the way around the track. You're driving, you know, next to next to massive five-star hotels, the marina. You're going around swimming pools. It's, it's the, there one of the best nothing, track, one of the best corners. In nothing like corner that. Well. And, uh, you know, it was, it was my first time in Monaco um, this weekend driving. And it's true that once you get into it, you just see it as a racetrack. You only see the barriers and you're kind of tunnel vision to an extent. But yeah, because of the tunnel. No. <laughs> just just on the Sorry, same way i had to quiet <laughs> child no but it's um the first laps i did it was literally just like i was sightseeing i was just like this is unbelievable and um yes the race is is very difficult even f2 you know we're like known for 
overtaking, crashing, generally causing excitement. <laughs> we had zero on-track overtakes in our feature race. Yeah. It was still quite an exciting race, but overtaking is just impossible. And the people that did try crashed. Yeah. That's probably the main difference to F1. They're just smart enough to know that you, you can't really do it. Um, but I think you know, you've, tracks like that, you've, you've got to keep in, in the calendar. Yeah, There's never that much overtaking anyway, though, really, like in Monaco. No, it's but it's true that you can have a race with intrigue that's um, um, interesting, but it's there isn't necessarily on-track overtaking. I mean, if you'd seen different strategies for the leaders with tyres that actually could have made a difference, it wasn't really set up for that this weekend. But, um, you know, like in the F2 race, you did actually have that to an extent where you had lead changes <clears throat> because of strategy and pit stop and undercuts, overcuts, you know, and there's a tension to that when they do the pit stop, etc. Mm. Um, so you can have it. It's just just very difficult. I guess the argument is, is that 2016 was perfect case in that Daniel should have won that Grand Prix, but because Red Bull weren't ready, he lost it. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think it's just it was just it was just really frustrating as a fan to watch and see all these amazing strategies that could happen and then none of them cause any effect whatsoever. Like yeah. none, yeah. like not even like, I mean, there obviously were a few, you know, changing in the midfield, but up front, like you saw Vettel push and then all of a sudden he was three seconds off and you're kind mm. of like, what? The Daniel's going at 75%? Yeah. How is this not like how? I mean, I guess the only saving grace and that it did show that you could overtake was, was Max. Um, and again, it's like how much of that was, you know, taking advantage of slower midfield cars. Yeah, but I still think he made, he made, and track, oh, Jack wants to go controversial already. <laughs> oh, track, track limits. Yeah, um, just backing my man, uh, Carlos. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it was on a Renault, I remember. That was, yeah, <laughs> but to be honest, like they, I think they were both of, so, yeah, was... so Max's first attempt on Carlos and then the yeah. second one that he made stick, both of those super controversial in terms of what was okay and what was not. Like, yeah. so the first one, so the first one, Matt, no, Carlos ran off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they went in yeah. side by side and Carlos straight lined it to keep the position. Although he would argue that he was pushed, pushed out off. by Max because Max broke very late. Yeah, I mean, he. Max completely Max. shut the door. Like, yeah. Did Max even make the chicane that lap? Did he, he cut yeah. across the small? He cut across it. I think very yeah. clumsily, like the second time where he just sort of The second over. time was even funnier yeah. because he literally yeah. did just go, right, Carlos, you're going that way and I'm going, I'm taking that position back. It was a good mate. move in the sense that he was he was fully committed. Yeah. Like, you could tell he was just going to go for really? it. Really? Max committed? Really? <laughs> Does he ever not commit well, to a move? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's a tough one because... The, the context makes it more difficult because you had the previous move yeah. where Carlos went off the track, so the stewards probably weighed that into their decision. But if you look at it as an isolated incident... Yeah, I can't, I can't tell if Max's second move was, was... Was he more concerned about him not being in the same position and having to give the place back to science? Because he literally just went... Technically, I'm still on. I'm yeah. still on the track because I'm but going over the apex. But he didn't apex, make the corner. No, but he didn't no. make the corner, the curb... and he shut the door. Like there was nowhere for Carlos to go. Absolutely no. nowhere for him. To I go. mean, the curb isn't part of the track. He, he, what his his thinking was, I'm not going to make the corner. Usually, in that position, a driver's just going to straight line it because yeah. you're going to damage the car if you do that a mm -hmm. lot. And he was quite desperate, I think, at that point. So he just absolutely pulled on the anchors and just tried anyway. 
and yeah. just went over the curb. He was off the track, like, but at least that way it looked a bit more presentable than if he just went straight through the chicane yeah. and didn't even try it. So, and yeah. without Max, we probably wouldn't have seen many overtakes at all during the race, would we? Uh, we've had a few uh, questions in about Monaco and what could be changed, etc. Um, Kirky Life or at Kirky Life says, "Is it time to leave Monaco in the past? How long will but it's Monaco be used as an, as an excuse for a boring Grand Prix?" And uh, just for my piece on uh, what you guys were discussing, I th- I'm I'm kind of half and half. Yeah. I understand the the racing driver's perspective, you know, and seeing the onboards of Monaco is the most prestigious historical thing. You know, we don't want to lose Monaco, but at yeah. the same time, the the sport is very much in a in a phase where trying to get more fans involved. And if I'm a new fan tuning into Monaco, I'm like, what's going? What? Yeah, no, everyone's got to no, buy into the history. The I think the that's prestige. the opposite. To be honest, yeah. everyone knows about the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, you you talk to a guy out in the street and you say, F, you, you ask him about F1 in Monaco, they're probably gonna know about it. Whereas you know, you say F1 in Germany mm. or Silverstone or wherever. But I know- think we're talking about it from yeah. a from a spectator's point of view. From an if entertainment. You, perspective. Yeah, if you turned it on and watched it, you'd probably be like me, like, why are there seventy odd laps? Like, this is really dull. Nothing's happening. Why is nothing happening? And I guess that's, we've said it before, like F1 is quite a difficult sport to get into anyway. So if you've got a Grand Prix where people are talking about, this is exciting because this could play out and then you don't see it play out or Mm. it it seems to have no effect, then I I can perfectly understand why people would turn around and go, F1 is boring. We know it's not, but... There are a lot of factors that could have made that race really good though. And I think the... The problem was it was just very unfortunate that the whole race was um, kind of intriguing and you were like, oh, it's going to build up to this massive finale mm. where Vettel's all over the back of it. But realistically, Vettel's got a title to think about. He was never going to make a stupid move. You you could argue we were actually robbed of if Max hadn't binned it in the wall in practice and he was the one behind Ricardo, yeah. or even... If it was the opposite, Vettel yeah. was the one in front and Riccardo behind him, he'd have definitely gone for it because the Red Bulls are well known for just YOLO. Yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so that, that again, would have been a lot better. But It's the gift it of hindsight happen. again, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. we said the same thing like about previous races and the fact of the matter is Max did bin it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know... Yeah. We... <laughs> Max binned it, Tommy. Did you again, know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Got, got that prediction a bit wrong, didn't I? <laughs> I did say Red Bull would be quickest. Me and Ali said Red Bull quickest. You did. So, you did. And you, you mocked us. Ali has his hands up in the air. I right think now. we mocked you. <laughs> I think you mocked us a little bit. But, but we got we just picked the driver that crashes all the time instead of the consistent one that was probably yeah, going to win Monaco. You were blinded by your Again, Monaco. I think this Grand, this Grand Prix really differentiated the Red Bull drivers. You know, you've got Max, who is quickest. He is exciting and he's daring and he makes the moves that... Again, we've said this tons of times before that, that nobody else will make, but he makes mistakes. And then you've got Daniel, who is a great driver, um, but he showed that like patience and sense and smarts can win you Grand Prix, not just being quick. And you know, everybody keeps talking. I mean, Chris, Christian Horner was asked, is this the catalyst for Max? But we said that about previous Grand Prix, that surely this is the moment where Max decides he's going to calm down and just yeah. get the car home rather than being the hero, but which has currently put him in a bit of a zero. Mm. Because, you know, we, we've said, again, we keep repeating ourselves, but it'd be brilliant if Max could take it to the top guys. 
like it would be such an exciting race to watch, but he's not giving us those opportunities because he keeps making he keeps making mistakes, and it's just it's again like is it experience? Is it is it just hot headedness? Is he just like not not got his head in the game? I'm, I'm not sure. We, I don't think we'll ever really know. But I mean, from a driver's perspective, what can Max? do or, or or is he doing all the right things anyway he just needs to get a break or that's what a fan actually asked yeah, uh, oh, from uh, Megan Cantle 99 it's Bring as if you're that. the same person just <laughs> Max seems me. to be in a bit of a rut at the minute what do you think he needs to do to get out of it and has there ever been a point in your career where you've experienced something similar Jack Aitken um yeah it's um <laughs> that's <sounds> very formal <laughs> no it's it's really tough I mean from my perspective um I think it's difficult when when team managers say, oh, this is this is going to be the moment when when he learns." As a driver, it's not like you have you have settings where you're like, "Okay, I'm going to turn the risk down from 50 to to 29." Or think it doesn't really you can't do that. No. It's it, it's a bit of a mindset, but um, it's very especially around Monaco. It would be very difficult for him to come in and think, "Okay, well, I've had a couple of crashes this season. I've made some mistakes. I'm just going to." kind of take it a little bit easy as soon as you start to do that you're driving in a completely different way to to what you're used to and you're just never going to be in a rhythm and that's absolutely crucial around monaco and they had a race winning car this weekend mm -hmm. so if there's any time when you're going to say you risk it for the chocolate biscuit this is this is the race and i don't know if you guys saw ricardo's pole lap um yeah i watched that last night when i got back and um, I was watching it and, and with my mum and I said there's so few times when you watch a pole lap because I, I usually watch all of them and you're like usually you watch it and you think okay yeah that's you know he's done a properly good lap but you know there's you know he's missed the apex there a little bit he's made a couple of small mistakes there are some corrections there you can see where he's kind of working on adjusting things as he goes which is normal and that's kind of what you expect and as an af athlete driver whatever it's you we, are, an we are athletes <laughs> we're athletes <laughs> as a driver it's normal you know all top level drivers can sort of see what's going on during the lap ricardo's lap yesterday i watched it and i kid you not the first seven corners i think were probably nigh on perfect like genuinely just you you look at that and you think a how did he do that but b no way you can improve on it yeah and he was so close to the barriers just kissing everything beautifully and it was just mega and then the rest of the lap was really good as well but particularly the start of where the was the where was the mistakes challenge the first seven corners well daniel <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, no but my the point of that was for max to back off we we might be sitting here and he'd not crashed he might have finished second or third mm -hmm. and he'd been three four five tenths off ricardo we'd still be saying he's in a bit of a rut. You know, he's slower than, than Danny Rick when he's usually been quicker. Um, so it's a really tough position to be in. I've been in that position before. It's a little bit different, though, as a young driver coming up because as soon as you're in that position, a lot of the time you're not given the chance to recover. You're kind of cast off and disregarded, um, whereas he's in the position of having a, a contract sorted. Mm -hmm. So he's got a little bit of that, of that confidence behind him and he's got that in the back pocket. Red Bull, realistically, even if he carries on like this for some time, they're probably still going to put their faith in him. Yeah. And they've got no one to... There's yeah. no one coming up. But either that, so, kind of leading on from that, is there's been a lot of discussion about Hartley 
and if he's going to be staying at Toro Rosso... Just looking at Ali behind um, the camera. <laughs> yeah, Ali behind the camera's like, don't you touch my work drivers. Um, because apparently word in the paddock is that Verline could come in Good. to replace Hartley. Absolutely. Um, and again, I, get, I think he had a really unlucky... I mean, this is the thing. I think it's really easy to forget that um, there are only... As a driver, there are only certain variables that you can control. I'm speak, uh, speaking as a driver, obviously. Please butt in um, <laughs> at any point. But, no, but no, no, you're on track. L- luck. <laughs> oh, my word. The puns today. What was that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think luck has a big thing to, to do with it. You know, the, the car's performance is something that you only have a slight input in, right? I mean, if it breaks on track... Sorry, Jack. Um, <laughs> or if someone hits into you like Hartley had, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. He didn't do anything wrong. Maybe he shouldn't have had front wing damage, then maybe he wouldn't be caught by Charles Leclerc and he'd be fine. I mean, True. I was going to say, driver of the, <laughs> driver of the day for you, Matty, kind of jumping Charles. ahead. Is it Charles? <laughs> no, it's because not. Because he, he controlled his brake failure so beautifully. <laughs> he did do very well. Not end up in the harbour, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it must be, as a, as, as a driver, again, speaking on your guy's behalf, um, it must be like quite a worrying position to be in when you're literally doing everything you can and it's stuff like that that... All of a sudden, people are looking at you and going, well, you have no value to me anymore because you're not scoring points. Yeah, that's the brutal thing of F1. I mean, it's um, you can do things about it. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of examples where it hasn't turned out badly (laughs) and I'm struggling. But um, there are drivers um, where, you you know, either there, if you're leading the race and you're absolutely dominating and then you get a car failure you're not going to be ridiculed in the paddock. You know, yeah. people will recognise that. And I think it's a little bit about um, how you take it. Uh, some people take it a lot more personally. Others tend to say, oh, it's not in my control, I don't mind. Um, and, yeah, a lot of people let it affect their driving in the end as well, which is what you really have to avoid. Um, if you're getting mechanicals and DNFing, you can't then... Set, just you, A lot of people then try harder and get really worked up about it and um that doesn't usually work out well so it'll be no it'll be interesting to see um see what happens i mean verline you could say is um going back to that i haven't heard that particular rumor but i've, I've heard for a while that hartley's under a lot of pressure mm. um it'd be interesting to see verline back because some would say he never really got a proper chance not in a, not in a true midfield car you'd say yeah and I think especially when Gasly's doing as well as he is. Mm-hmm. Gasly was amazing again, wasn't he, in that, really in that race? Yeah. So he's yeah. just trouncing Hartley realistically. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because at the start of the year, it was quite, for me, it was quite marked that Hartley was actually sometimes out-qualifying him, occasionally was beating him in the races and being quicker than him in practice. And, you know, being a WEC driver, it's uh, you know, not really something you would expect. <laughs> Look to Ali. <laughs> <laughs> um but seriously, because Gasly has come through the uh, the junior formula system in like a very sort of textbook way. He's done on GP2. He won GP2. And he was a reserve driver for a while. Did a lot of testing for Red Bull and Toro Rosso. So he's probably one of the most experienced rookies that you would get on the grid now. And Hartley just sailed in and started out-qualifying him, which was unbelievable. Um, but now it's sort of things are starting to come back to what you'd expect. Other standout performances, Esteban Ocon, 
Yeah. yeah definitely. Yep. What a good race. Although, again, like, it seems to be that that P6 is no man's land because mm. the, the top Last three, the Kevin, top three teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, he, he was putting in good lap times because he didn't have anyone around him. Definitely, like, Formula A and Formula B at the moment. Like, yeah. even with Ricardo's problem, he still can't get anywhere near Red Bull Ferrari. Uh, like Hamilton with his tyre problems, there's still that huge gap. I mean, not Ocon, for Monaco, because I mean, Esteban was literally behind Bottas at the end of the race, but I know what you mean in terms just of... Just yeah, about, but yeah. I think as everyone was really... Just, Ricardo was struggling, yeah. everyone was struggling with their tyres, yeah. they were in safe mode. At the same time, Esteban was buzzing after, at the end of the race, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, after the safety car, they pulled away again from Ocon. It's like, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did a really good job. Um, he went, um, he was way ahead of all the other, other midfield runners. Yeah, Perez was... Nowhere. Really. He was stuck in the Hartley train for a while, though. Yeah, Hartley that, train. That was <laughs> <Yeah>, that, <Ali. laughs> a struggle. Well, yeah, but he was literally three seconds off the pace at yeah. one point in the yeah. middle of the race. I think Charles Leclerc said something that they um, it's quite possible that Toro Russell were playing a bit of a strategic game to give Gasly that gap to pit back into. Hmm. Yeah. And again, I, talking of talking of WEC trains, Hulkenberg was causing some mayhem too. I mean, I think at one point he had it from, from 7th to 12th were all in, like they were all, because Max was talking about, we can't move, it's so slow, it's too yeah. slow, and it was because Hulkenberg hadn't pitted yet and he was backing up the entire rest of the I like I like, track. again though, I like that about Monaco, even though, like mm. just seeing a train of cars, because you never see F1 cars that close and even yeah. when they just like in a massive... I don't like seeing a train of F1 cars knowing that they're not going to overtake each other. Yeah, but yeah, you but never they, know. They will, because, like, people did have a go. And if stuff. we want processions, we'd go to displays. Yeah, let's go to F1 Live again. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> like, was probably more overtaken though. there. Uh, let's <laughs> let's uh, look towards Canada now. Uh, Mercedes were clearly third best around Monaco. I, I have a feeling that they'll be potentially back to the top in Canada. What do you think, Jack, being a racing driver? Uh, Canada is a place where Mercedes have had quite a lot of problems in the past. Um, but yeah, you'd expect it to play into their hands. Canada's quite interesting because on the surface, it's a power track because you've got that massive back straight and there's a lot of sort of short but quite quick straights in the middle between relatively quick chicanes. But what that means as well is um, it's actually a lot about how you put the power down. So if you have a car that's not great traction-wise, all of those straights in the middle of the track where you're coming out of chicanes, you're going to lose a lot of time. So it's why I think in the past you've seen Red Bull actually not be so bad there. Yeah. So okay. So who, who, let, let's let's get a prediction from you, Jack. I know no, you, you want cold hard predictions, podcast, but I want I want a top three from you. Oh. Um, I'm going to say Hamilton back on top. I reckon he, he's going to just gonna like that. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. Um, I, after, yeah. after what you just after said, what, yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't, wasn't expecting, expecting you to say Lewis. I should have added the caveat that um, it's still a power track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mercedes are, I think, they're... I, I can't see Ferrari being quickest at Canada just because they don't, in my opinion, have the best chassis and they also don't have the best power unit at the moment. So I think it's either going to be Mercedes or... Maybe Red Bull, but I think it's less likely. So I'd say uh, Hamilton, Vettel, Bottas. Okay. Quite quite a standard top three, yeah, but n- not very after prediction. all the madness of the Monaco Grand Prix in the last couple of races, I think back to status quo a little bit. Tommy? I'm going to say Hamilton as well. I think he's, has he won it seven times? Six, seven times? Yeah. Like, he like, wins Canada a lot. Uh, yeah, I think, I'm hoping it, it does go back where, like you say, you've had two winners 
uh, from each team, sorry, a winner from each team, and it keeps changing between the teams. I think Hamilton will get uh, the win. Go Ricardo second and wow. Ocon third. <laughs> oh, what? Okay, sorry. I'm hoping the hypersoft is hoping a safety car and the hypersoft is just and at least making an interesting If, if Ocon finishes third, I will eat my hat. <laughs> eat this Yashmarina hat. Eat that Yashmarina hat. Exactly. We'll keep you to that. Okay. Jess? Um, ooh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the general consensus and put Hamilton in for a win. Um, I think Vettel... And then I'm going to go for Max. Let's put Max in third. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to back... Bottas to come back stronger than he was in Monaco uh, and and take the win. I think it's it'll be a, a show, actually. I think it'll be a Mercedes one two. Uh, I think Canada. If there's a track that Bottas is going to beat Hamilton, it'll be Canada potentially. I know Hamilton's really good around Canada, but at the same time, there's not too many variables around Canada compared to other probably more skilled tracks. I don't know. I've never driven around Canada. I don't Me know neither. if that's a fair point. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Canada's a more simpler track for Bottas to be up there and on the pace. Well, with remember, Hamilton. he had that really great qualifying in 2000. And oh, when he was with Williams, yeah. Yeah, some, he was on the front row or third. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's not, not bad around there. Yeah, so Bottas, Hamilton and then Vettel. Gosh, it's not a particularly uh, exciting prediction. And I want Ocon to finish third. I just don't think he will. Uh, I think <laughs> before we end this podcast, we should maybe chat a little bit about IndyCar, or at least mention it, that it happened. Uh, because, yes. well, I mean, I didn't watch it. Jess hasn't watched it. But you two watched it, and we saw one move of Alexander Rossi, which was amazing. Uh, any any word on IndyCar, guys? I mean, yeah, it's good. another good race. It's, it's funny because since Alonso did the Indy 500, a lot of people have started to have their eye on it now. And it, always after Monaco, uh, despite liking Monaco, everyone, you know, I'm one of those people that looks forward to the Indy 500 a lot more than Monaco because it seems to just deliver every year. You get a lot of passing and a dramatic finish and yeah, it's good. Yeah, I only watched, I watched half of the second half um, because this was during my wait at the airport. So I've... Had nothing. Do you want to tell us about that again, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. That's not really it. Cue sad music. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, it was actually a good race. I mean, I was quite surprised. Some of the big contenders crashed out fairly early on. Yeah. I mean, you had people like um, Castro Nevers crashed Castro out. Castro Nevers. Canaan. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly the rest, but yeah, it seemed like the car, new car was really difficult to handle. Mm. Um, but yeah, Rossi, that that was epic i watched yeah. that live and i think we were on board with one of the other cars who were just in a melee um fighting with <laughs> the other guys and you're thinking these guys are at 220 miles an hour fighting like with probably less than a meter between the each other and they're all like jostling for position and then suddenly this guy just cruises around the outside yeah. and just overtakes a lot of them and you see from his onboard and he's gone for a gap which is like indie car sized and just got it perfect. So if he goes any awesome. wider, he's on the marbles mm. and he's in the wall. It, it was That's in the wall. Like, yeah. It was wall, car, and that was pretty It's like epic. the opposite of Monaco, isn't it, where mm. you actually had so many on-track passes, everyone can pass, and even uh, at the end, because of the way the fuel strategy pans out, you actually had like three complete yeah. underdogs, and uh, Stefan Wilson, who was Justin Wilson's younger brother, who's like running his car as like a tribute to his brother 
and he was five laps from winning the race and he just enters that race for a bit of i i did that was because it's like you say it's a great story at the end of the race that's kind of what you're missing from the monaco grand prix because strategy wise you could have had that but you had these guys top three needed really on the edge for fuel needed to pit maybe and then the quicker guys behind them and then they two of them just pitted it was like <laughs> yeah. At least try. Yeah, at least run out of <laughs> have fuel a go. Yeah. Rossi, Rossi I mean, won, uh, didn't you? You don't know the situation, but it might have been that Wilson was literally about to run out of fuel and fine. But it was a little bit disappointing to see them pit with two laps to go when you're leading yeah. the ND 500. It's like because ah, a caution could have come out and anything could keep happen. going. Yeah, push the car just around. Yeah, <laughs> literally roll across the <laughs> it line because like it would have even if they ran out of fuel a lap before the end and it was like you weren't even close. That still would have been a better story than just boxing. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Cool. Indie, indie covered. Do you have any comments on that, guys? <laughs> well, yeah, no. Really. Was it as exciting as previous indies? Because the general feeling I got was that it wasn't. It wasn't like the end was quite anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. Because it, you had two late cautions, and you're like suddenly it brought this whole other strategy into play, which wasn't before, and everyone was. It was a long yellow as well. It was like th- four or five laps or something. I'm probably wrong. It was probably longer. Um, but it was long enough that Twitter was basically exploding. Everyone was like, <laughs> the showdown's going to happen. It's going to yeah, be the strategy yeah. versus that. And then they just pitted and it's like, oh. <laughs> the fact that an anti-climax race is a yeah. lead change with five laps to go kind of tells you how mm. awesome that race is normally. But The greatest spectacle on earth. <laughs> Not Monaco. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Such, a, such an American turn of phrases isn't I know, it? there's right. there's a place for america and um i don't know i i kind of do you, so it's like going off topic a little bit but while i was watching the indy 500 i was just reminded how much i love american advertising <laughs> yes <laughs> so amazing. great oh it's so just, good. just like the cheesy so infomercials i'm just like i love it <laughs> Can you give me more is well, that all like you're gonna die did you, did you take this drug 10 years yeah. ago? You're going to die. Yeah. Like that seems to be the PSAs, yeah. general consensus. So if anyone who's not American now knows what American advertising is like, that's actually it for our time. It's flown by. Jack, thank you so much for coming along. Anytime. Uh, just want to quickly ask this question before we finish. Marty Ruiz Marcel, why are you so handsome? <laughs> well, Blushes. Yeah. Didn't mention that to me before the podcast or anything. That's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll give well, you your five bucks later. Questions for Jack? Uh, who's your best friend on the F2 grid from Warrior Shoke? Very oh, quickly. Choices. Ali's been messaging me going, one minute left, zero minutes left, <laughs> minus one minute left. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, best drive, best uh, friend on the F2 grid. Quick, uh, quick. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to make enemies probably... Um, uh, <laughs> I kind of have to say my teammate, George. That's the yeah. rules. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, actually, all the British drivers are really close. Like me, George, um, Alex Albon, even though he races under a Thai license. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we kind of, we travel a lot together and know each other quite You're well. So. Squad. Squad, yeah. And Jake Hughes, shout out from GP3, my boy. <laughs> and Jake, a lot of people Jake are your Dennis. boys in this A lot of Jakes, yeah. Oh my God, we That's, need to do a video um, on the squad. Yes, the that squad. would be the so squad good. squad video. Oh, God. Have like some sort of music video. Carnage. Uh, and finally, yeah. at Gabriel underscore Agron, this is going to be raging that I'm gone about three minutes over. What's the biggest and hardest difference to adapt to whilst driving a Formula One car? Go in. Uh, G-Force. Just the sheer, because uh, the step up from F2 to F1 is a lot bigger than it's been in the past, because F2 used to be the same speed it is or even quicker than it is now and f1's just got quicker um so when i got in the car in barcelona 
it was literally like literally literally <laughs> like my my body was just being dragged this way and that you get used to it yeah but it is quite shocking the first time you go full speed round turn three nearly flat or flat and it's and it's just yanking you out of your seat and you're yeah. like this is awesome <laughs> next next year neck bigger than legs yeah yeah has to be. <laughs> we'll have to do neck measuring on yeah. the next podcast. My neck right. was floppy the next time. <laughs> so that has been the Monaco GP podcast. Thank you, Jack, for joining us and all that good stuff. Anytime. And obviously, Jess and Tommy as well, and myself. Copy. And uh, we'll see you next time for Canada. You look, didn't look sure about that. I was, like, yeah. I was like, what have we spoken about? Canada. 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 That's the Where one. Are we? Definitely going to be a better race. I'm saying it right here, right now. Yeah. 100%. Controversial. You'd hope yeah. so. Monaco should be put in the bin. Goodbye! <laughs> Recycling bin? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wave, it's the end of the podcast. We literally don't know what to do with this. Okay, not in the bin, but in a nice historical cabinet. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh my god.